Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Joined now by Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. Boy, Kevin, okay, we know there's minutes, we know there's points that's got to be made up losing Brazil. Question is, where does it come from? Uh, he was averaging right at 12 points and six or seven rebounds. So where does it come from? Yeah, you know, I think Arkansas's backcourt uh, may, may be one of the best in the country, and we may be saying later that it was the best. And I think, I think from a production standpoint, I'm not as concerned as I am the matchup, the matchup problems he created for other teams, and. You know, when you look at Arkansas's front line, he was the one most versatile player that could produce a double-figure scoring game consistently. Um, you know, he scored 20 or more points three times. He had his career high last Saturday, 23 points, very efficient game shooting the ball against San Jose State. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's more about how do you replace his versatility. I mean, here's a, a big that could stretch the floor and knock down threes. When I look at Arkansas's bigs, he was the one guy that he could get out and run out and transition and finish, uh, you know, could create his own shot off the bounce because he's a good enough ball handler. Uh, and I think when you look, for instance, the Mitchell twins, you know, those guys are mostly back to the basket. They'll play, you know, they'll, they'll roll to the basket off two-man, you know, pick and roll, but they're not going to, you know, they're not really shot creators. Uh, same with Kamani, you know, he's a guy that's just going to, play mostly inside and around the basket. So, to me, Jalen Graham, to, to kind of answer your question here, I think Jalen Graham and Jordan Walsh are the two guys that, that I think are going to have to pick up the slack with more production. Um, Graham's not the talent that, that Brazil is, but he is a quick, offensive-minded player. So, from 15 feet and in, he can be effective, and we know Brazil was effective around the basket. Walsh is a guy they keep saying they think can be able to help stretch the floor with three-point shooting. That's something Brazil brought to the table. You want to see Walsh maybe step it up in that way. And he's, you know, he's three inches shorter, but he's got the basically the same wingspan. Now he's not, you know, that's not he's not the same player that Brazil was. Musman said in his press conference he thinks Trevor Brazil is one of the top five players in the SEC. And from a ceiling and talent standpoint, it's hard to argue against that. Um, but you know, looking at it now, I would say that there is nobody to step up and replace exactly what he brings to the table. Because if he's a top five player in the league, there's you just there's, that's just not sitting on your bench. Um, and, and so it's going to be committee on the front line. I think the backcourt's going to have to pick up a little more of the scoring slack. I don't think that'll necessarily be an issue. But production-wise, is one thing. Impact and, and the versatility he brought on that front line. There's nobody, there's no one player that can replicate that. Kevin, is this as much of a mental loss as it is a physical loss for this team? Well, that that remains to be seen. That's actually a great question because it depends on, you know, I, I don't think, Melsman strikes me as someone who doesn't want to have make excuses for why things didn't get done until he has to. And so right now, you know, he recruited enough depth on the front line where there's, you know, he's got options to have size and athleticism and length. There's just nobody that combines all the things that Trevin could do. 
So from a mental aspect, you have to get past that and figure out, you know, come up with some new strategic game planning that's going to suit what, what you have available to you. And I think Mussman's one of the best in the business at doing it. And let's not forget, they got through rough patches losing Isaiah Joe, Justin Smith, and then even Nick Smith Jr. earlier this year for six games. The difference here is this is permanent in terms of this season. Mm-hmm. This season, that doesn't, you know, you're not, you're not getting Trevin Brazil back. And then all the other cases I just cited, you guys came back. So you, you've got to put that behind you now. Help him get better on the, in the, behind the scenes. But as far as this season goes, you, you've got to get past those, myrtle, those mental hurdles. And I think Mouseman, as much basketball as he's seen at every level, I think he's just the guy to push those buttons. Now, we'll see if he's able to do that. But I, you know, if there's anybody out there that I think can take what he's got and make the best of it, it's with Eric Mouseman. How do you break this spell, if you will, of this team that seemingly has fallen in love with the three? You've got guys that probably should not be shooting the three, especially maybe at the frequency that they are right now. How do you break this team of falling in love, continuing to launch up three-pointers that – in some cases, it's one pass down the floor and jack it up and not even taking time off the clock, knowing that that same shot could be there another 10, 15 seconds deeper into the shot clock. You know, that's a great question because I thought this team started to learn in Europe even to minimize the three-point shooting. They had a preseason, you know, then they had the first several games. Even the San Jose State game, when they shot 61% from three, they only took 13. They were 8 of 13. They understood this isn't the strength of what we do. We get to the basket. And this last game, uh, you know, you credit Greensboro to some degree for a tough physical defense, but Arkansas kind of, you know, played down to the competition in the sense it didn't do what it does best, or at least it didn't try to. Like you said, it took early shots from three. A lot, lot of different possessions in both halves, not just one half. Usually Arkansas solves that at halftime. Mussman gets their attention, and, and you see the three-point attempts go down, and they start to get back to what, what works best, and you didn't see that in this game. In fact, Arkansas took ten attempts in the second half, eight in the first. Many of them rushed, many of them early, many of them in the guys' hands that you maybe didn't want. You know, there's a reason they're open, because the defense understands these are the guys you want to dare to shoot. Uh, and I thought Arkansas bailed the defense out multiple times. And Arkansas was 3 of 10 in that second half, still not in the wheelhouse of what your best offense is. And so I'm guessing Eric Mosman's had plenty of time this week to talk about that to get him back on track. So we'll see how it goes from here on out. But they've been inconsistent with it in terms of we know that's not been a good three-point shooting team overall, but inconsistent with keeping attempts low. And then having a game like they did the other night where it seemed like they just never could learn that that wasn't the best offense. Don't you think part of that is when you're playing somebody like Greensboro and you're thinking these guys are ahead of us or it's tight and, you know, a couple three-pointers will get us either back in the game or get us the lead, and then they, they did take them too quick, and yet that all season long they've been better off not taking too many. Take eight or ten a game, that's plenty, because they're going to face that same tempo – against Oklahoma. They're not going to want to play a game in the 80s either, so I hope the lesson's been learned, don't you? Well, you hope so. I mean, you know, this is a, like you said, an Oklahoma team that's very efficient, but it, but it, it's efficient with keeping pace down. 
And that can be frustrating because this will be a team that executes better offensively than Greensboro did. You know, Greensboro didn't have great shooting numbers. It did make nine threes compared to Arkansas's three, and then Arkansas dominated at the free throw line in that game, and that was really the winning edge was getting to the foul line and then cashing in. Arkansas was 23 or 27. You're not going to be able to count on that kind of – you're not at home. You're going to be in Tulsa in a neutral site, and you're not going to be able to count on that kind of a lopsided – I think uh, Greensboro shot a total of 11 for the game free throws. Arkansas gets 27 attempts in the second half. So you're, you're not going to be looking at that kind of a lopsided difference at the foul line. Um, and so you're going to have to be smarter with the basketball. Your choice is on offense. I agree with that because this is going to be a lower possession game. Oklahoma's going to play the pace to slow that pace down. Oklahoma's very efficient shooting the ball. Uh, Arkansas's hit and miss there. They've been good inside the arc, but will they stay dedicated to that? Um, you know, and then it always comes down to matchups, too. I do favor Arkansas matchup-wise in this game. Of course, a year ago, Kevin, I felt the same Kevin, way going into on. it, and Arkansas lost by 22. Hang on, we got to take a break. Drive Time Sports will continue in a moment. Join Devo Davis as he gets in the zone with Justin and Wes every Thursday this basketball season, presented by Guatney Chevrolet. All right, let's go back to Hoop Scoop. Got Kevin back. Let's talk with Razorback Bob. Robert, good afternoon. Welcome to Drive Time Sports. Good afternoon, Randy and Rick and Kevin. What Randy, I'm going to jump on and off. i got a quick question for Kevin or whoever wants to answer it. It'll be fine. Sure. But uh, kind of wanted to piggyback on what you were talking about on three-point shooting. And I, I've been wondering, even before Brazil got, got hurt, Kevin, is there a type of scenario where, or is it, uh, practice, or why Why can we not get Kenyon in the game when it's a more meaningful time instead of just mop-up? Uh, he seems to be one of the best uh, three-point shooters on the team, and um, it didn't seem like he played that bad of defense either, so I just wanted to get y'all's opinion as to why we're not seeing him coming into the game a little bit more frequent, so I'm going to hang up and let somebody else on here, Randy. God bless y'all. Enjoy your show. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we, we've actually talked about this. You know, I, I think it's it's a good point to make that this is a guy that can knock down threes, and he's gotten opportunities. Um, you know, he's, he's made them. And, uh, you know, I think defensively, uh, you know, that's where the key is for Musman and, and his rotation or guys that he can trust game in and game out, matchup to matchup. He likes athleticism, length, quickness, a lot of different things in his lineup. Um, and, you know, these are some things I think that over time it, that, that Joseph Pinion is going to be a very good Division One basketball player. Uh, as a freshman, you know, it's with Musselman, uh, it's probably been all he can do to have the three five-stars constantly playing. We know Jordan Walsh is, has been a little hit and miss in the road. He's in the rotation as far as heavy minutes, uh, getting Nick Smith back just recently, um, obviously is a guy that was going to factor in regardless if he'd missed six games or not into the top playing time along with Anthony Black. So I just think it's a matter of time for just opinion. Could we see him get opportunities this year? I think we could. Um, you know, it might be end-of-clock, end-of-half situations. It might be end-of-game situations where they might need someone to stretch the floor or they need a three. 
Uh, I wouldn't rule out Joseph getting some opportunities. Will he be a rotation guy? I just don't think so as a freshman. We've seen Musman change things in past, but usually he defers to older guys. This year it's a little different with the with the one-and-done projected guys. We're going to see heavy minutes from them. Joe's opinion is not one of those. I think it's just a matter of time, though, before he's a productive Division One player. I just don't see that role for him this year. Kevin, by all appearances, I think it's safe to say that the sixth man was Tevin. Who now assumes that role? Or is this something that is going to be kind of like uh, there is an open tryout, if you will, now for that sixth man coming off the bench? Yeah, you know, he was the sixth man in terms of technicalities. He, he was fourth right. on the team in minutes going into the last game. He, you know, the word starter, if you, look, if you look at it from a literal standpoint, no, he wasn't starting. He was the sixth man, but he was effectively had starter value and finishing games. And so, you know, you, but from a standpoint of who comes off the bench first, you know, I think we saw that Devo Davis was, you know, now that he's back playing off the bench, he's been in a six-man role. Uh, I think he's obviously a candidate to be that, that first player off the bench, or even if he's not always the first one off the bench, he, he'll play heavy enough minutes where you consider him maybe the top reserve. I think now a guy like Jalen Graham has a great opportunity to forge his way into this rotation because he brings a little different value and quantity to the court uh, than, the, than the Mitchell twins do and that Kamani do. I think those guys are, are, are the most effective playing with, with through two-man game with, with guards uh, and, and, and playing bully ball around the basket. I think he's the one guy that if you got the ball times, you know, from the horns or the free throw line extended, he can create from there. 15 feet in, he can create his own offense. And so that's what you're going to be missing that you don't have in Brazil. Brazil can stretch the floor out further. That's not Graham's game, but he is crafty and quick. And Brazil was, had quickness for a 16 guy. And I think this was a chance now for Jalen Graham to step in there. So could he be a six man? Possibly. Um, you know, I think it's he and Devo, you know, to me, those are going to potentially be reserves you can rely on. We know what Kamani brings to the table. He's going to help Arkansas win games. He's already done that. But game in and game out, I don't know that he's your first guy off the bench. Uh, I think it's more of a feel thing with Musman with him. And my, certain matchups and, you know, when other things aren't working, he seems to turn to Kamani. But I don't know that he's going to be injected in And he certainly doesn't bring the any qualities that I saw in Brazil other than he will be a volume rebounder, and that's one thing you're going to get with Kamani gaming and gaming out. Um, but I think Jalen Graham, this is a huge opportunity for him, and I think it's an opportunity for Jordan Walsh to expand his role. He's been in the starting lineup. I think it's a chance for him to earn more minutes and, and give Arkansas a little more punch maybe offensively. He's going to have to you know, maybe start knocking down some shots to help stretch the floor. Speaking of Jalen Graham, what seems to be holding him back up to this point? Is it Defense is it consistency, inconsistency? What I mean, what what seems to be holding Jalen uh, Graham back so far? Yeah, just inconsistent performances. That 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 goes to practices, games. I mean, I I think he's been wildly inconsistent. He'd have great weeks in practice and then and then kind of fade. And then some of his performances in the preseason were like that. Um, and then so far in the regular season, I think when he's gotten opportunities. Sometimes he's made the most of them, and sometimes he's not done, you know, quite frankly, hasn't done very well. So I think this is a time now for him to understand, you know, 
he's a senior. He, he's stepping up and, you know, being the best practice player he can be, working on his own stuff on his own time and putting more time than Jim. Mussman said he was at, you know, he was in before practice earlier than he'd ever seen him the other day. So maybe he sees this as an opportunity. Uh, but certainly now with, with Brazil out, other guys are going to have to step up on that front line. And he's the guy, in my opinion, that maybe gives you a little something that, that Brazil brought to the table. Not all of it, but, but maybe some aspects of it. And But Musman's got to be able to trust him. He's got to be able to trust him to be sound on defense. He's a guy that never rebounded the ball really well at Arizona State. Even though he was second-team All-Pac-12, he looked at his per-minute rebounding. Not that great. Musman says so far here, when he's played well, his per-minute rebounds have been really good. So, to me, with him, it's about effort and being locked in because he's capable of going out and not only scoring the ball. Excuse me, Rick, I take that back. Scoring oh, and rebounding. I go. caught myself. Please Thank myself. You. That Thank won't you. happen again Thank until you. the next time. Thank you. Uh, all right, you can set sackcloth and ashes for the no, entire no, no. weekend. All right, uh, next time we come back, and I hope that next time we come back with you, Kevin, you've got a whole maybe different tune, but I want you to break down what you're seeing from the freshmen and what seems to be holding back some of the freshmen uh, from any particular playing time. All right, Kevin, we will talk with you next week. That's Kevin McPherson. Thanks, Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hawkeye.